The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics, and it is a day that we're either going to breathe a sigh of relief or shake our head or a combination thereof because the WASD report has been delivered. We've seen it. It's time to move forward. Right, Mike? Yeah, it really is. And I, you know, I think this is one of those days where it isn't a shock to many people. I was not expecting anything above a 176 corn yield or above a 50 bushel corn yield based upon the crop conditions. But two things struck me, Susan. One was before the report. One was the report itself. The U.S. dollar spikes before the report on brand new sanctions against Turkey. And and I don't want to go into this too detailed because I know you want to talk about the WASDE report, but it really put the grains on the defensive again. It put the whole commodity complex on the defensive again. And it was going to take a lot to give the soybean complex and the wheat complex especially uh, the potential to rally after USDA's numbers unless you had weather uh, in the case of the soybeans on your side because we'd rallied so sharply in the wheat. We had started to pick up some business and actually had been part of the tenders and some of these uh, new newest uh, offers out there in the world marketplace. And the market was really adjusting well to a supply shortfall on the world wheat. So we had factored a lot of that in, and we were waiting for USDA to agree with that. But the dollar got in the way, and we've broken out in the dollar. And so the USDA report was going to be tough to give the market a rally chance anyway, if you ask me. Then the report comes out. The major thrust of the report is obviously where the yields came from. And I think it's really almost healthy and beneficial. Like you say, we get it out of the way because the crop conditions won out. The satellite data and imagery won out, and the yield assessment was higher than my expectations and I think everybody in the trade's expectations uh, because of that. And I think this is where if you dig down and drill down in USDA's uh, update that they send out to all of us uh, after the report comes out, it goes back to that old uh, scatter diagram, the corn objective yield, where they took to take ears per acre and then they take implied ear weight. And the, the population, the thickness of the vegetation is your ears per acre, and they've got it almost at 29,500 ears per acre. And I'm not going to argue that because of the crop tours I've done. The implied ear weight, however, is very close to both 2016's record of 0.36 pounds per ear and last year's uh, second number of around 3.5, uh, pounds per ear. We're, we're running 0.355 roughly in this report. That's where I think I've got an issue with the corn and with the USDA. And I think by the time we get to September, if the rainfall pattern doesn't change dramatically, um, the trade will have gotten the biggest yield out of the way. And this is, like you say, it's pretty much subject to change because we've got so many weather factors that could still happen between now and then. And they're talking an early harvest. So is the October report, I'm going to jump ahead two months, but is the October report could be more vital to this marketplace than what we're going to see in the September numbers? Yeah, I think to follow your logic, the October report would be closer to the November or even maybe the December report because I took a crop tour down to Topeka from here in Atchison, which is about an hour and 15 minutes southwest of me. 
Uh, it gets you into the stage three drought, doesn't get you into the stage four drought on the drought monitor, but I saw enough. I saw 2012 drought-like conditions like I'd seen in north central Indiana back in 2012 uh, in that area, and we had combines rolling in, in uh, one field on uh, a couple nights ago when we went down there, and we had, I would guess, 75% of the fields ready to go either because they're dried down enough or because farmers are going to get worried enough about their standability that within two weeks I think you'll have a vast majority of that drought-stressed area uh, completed. And this kind of rolls back into the Nebraska number. USDA, if I looked at their yield map that they put out on Friday, they put Nebraska at a fresh record of 196 bushels. That's up 15. Um, They kept Iowa the same at 202 bushels for the state. Notice where how close though Nebraska is getting to Iowa for a statewide yield. I really question that based upon what I'm hearing and getting in terms of pictures and anecdotal evidence from producers in central Nebraska. Uh, we had early wet rains, uh, in, in Lincoln and on east and on south. And then we really had a lot of moisture cut off, uh, in very key parts that run along I-80. So, I think that's one of the major watch points for the next report. But to follow up with your September, October report, my my sense right now is that we're going to see the soybeans probably lead everything lower. Corn and wheat won't be able to, to fight it as much unless we, do, we, we definitely turn off hot and dry. The, the, the models are suggesting otherwise. But if we don't turn off hot and dry, the report was negative enough for soybeans, both domestically and globally. I sense that we're going to have to go back down and test that 826 level in November beans, that low from July 16th, and corn won't fight it and be, and we won't fight it. But I think right there, Susan, you have an opportunity to potentially buy into the corn market on that break to the down. I was going to ask you that. How do we market, looking at these numbers today, seeing how it reacted, and obviously these numbers came out mid part of the trade. Coming into Monday, what are some key things we need to think about as producers? Yeah, and this is where I've unfortunately had to talk to a couple, three guys that uh, I stopped working with and and had not talked to in quite some time, um, and and they called, and I'm glad they did. Um, You know, this is where it's really tough sledding because you've got to make a decision if you've got a good crop growing that you're going to have to store one and sell the other, most likelihood. Um, my, My opinion is that if the payout from the Trump administration comes as advertised, it's going to help the soy uh, side of the equation more. Um, it, it's very hard to get around a 785 million bushel carryover. You look at the world oil seeds carryovers, 20, stocks to use is 24%. That's, uh, that's very comparable to where we've been the last two or three years. But you look at U.S. soybean carryover, um, we're looking at, and the stocks to use ratios, uh, we're looking at, you know, for world and U.S. numbers, numbers that we just don't, we aren't used to. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell up after this. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. Before we left, we were talking soybeans. And the important before the, the get in there and get these beans harvested, you're talking about having a good sale plan in place, right, Mike? Yeah, and I think this is where, look, we don't know what the yield's going to be. There's a lot of beans out there that look terrific and have a lot of pods on them, and the the Extend genetics and variety are, I think, a big reason for that. And I say that because that's what producer clients are telling me uh, for the most part, Susan, but we don't know the yields, and so you got to respect your crop insurance levels. 
and, and understand that you don't want to oversell your beans on the cash market. I, I have preferred to do paper positions because not only because I don't know the yield, but because of the basis being so nasty in so many places for new crop beans. I'd rather give my producers a chance for basis improvement in case they do fall within a 50-mile radius of having poor crops and they missed the rains here in the next two weeks. So I think if you add all that together and then what we talked about on the technical side and the meal side before the break, I think you could be at 100% of insured bushels right here, right now, of 100% of insured bushels on expected production or what your crop insurance max is, and then start to move towards 100% of your expected bushels um, as you get more confidence. Uh, and if you need to do that in paper because you're worried about the price of sliding too much, that's fine. I just don't want producers to oversell their bushels at essentially an $8 bean price. That That is the last thing I want to come back in the wintertime and next spring and address with my producer clients when we had opportun- other opportunities to probably do it a little bit better. So the last thing I will say about this is this is one of those marketing years with the tariffs and the sanctions and the currencies and the potential payout by the Washington and the Trump administration, you're just going to have to sit down, elevate your marketing plan in terms of a priority, and sit down one-on-one with somebody so that they can give you the best counsel based upon your own needs. And and my general rule of thumb has been I want $850 of gross revenue per acre on corn this year and $600 of gross revenue on beans this year. If you get 70 if you get 70 bushel beans because the rains come, and you take that into $600. You're talking about an 857 cash price. Don't lose sight of that. Don't think you've got to have 1050 beans if you've got good yields out there. Good advice. What about this vegetation portion of the report? We don't really focus a lot about it, but the vegetation definitely is there this year in the soybeans and the corn. Yeah, it is, and there's no way around it, and that's where USDA is up to their game in terms of how they do their yield assessment, and I completely scrubbed my yield uh, formula and my yield uh, calculation uh, and, and, uh, and not algorithm, but you know, scientific calculation based upon surveys and, and an advanced Excel spreadsheet last year because I'd had two years in a row where I was just not missing. I was not getting and I was missing something in the USDA, and I call it the satellite imagery. I think it's just taken a much higher priority this is where it comes back to how you market your crop in the early part of the year based upon profit per acre and then the later part of the year based upon what you actually have out there versus what you think USDA is right or wrong on. And I think we just have to stop and say after t- after Friday's report, look, we don't know if the corn yield can be helped at this point with any more rains because how advanced this crop is coming on. So that means that maybe the 178.4 is the top end yield at this point, and it's more than likely that it'll go down from here. I'm not ready to say that for beans yet, but I could be next month. So that's where you start your hedging plan with your corn. You see where you're at on your corn hedges, and if you need to get more caught up on one or the other, do it more on the beans because they have more potential in the fields out there, if you ask me. Head over to the livestock side. I'm excited to say the hogs did okay this week. Uh, looking at their numbers and obviously the cattle too and the WASDE report, how are they all reacting to everything? Well, you and I have been talking about a low in the hogs and it's been a really tough sled for the last couple, three weeks on the final bell, so I'm very thankful for it. Um, I think that you're seeing the August contract, which expires on the 16th, pull the October contract up in large part because the carcass values 
have held in there, and even the VMR prices are starting to come up pretty nicely. We came in with another huge production number on Friday afternoon, 482.8 million pounds of meat production. So I don't want you to get too excited about further upside other than where the August contract is. In other words, as the October gets closer to the August at around 54, 55, I think that's your top end. And I think USDA's report Friday was mostly friendly. We saw production in beef go down for 2018 versus last month pork go down versus last month exports for beef went up versus last month while the pork dropped a little bit so we might be able to get a little bit more out of this livestock market i'm still really bent on keeping those hogs hedged because i think they're just a very similar market to the soy complex in terms of downward pressure if this dollar keeps going higher very fast fontanelle final bell this afternoon best way for folks to reach you mike well, the best way is to go to the Global, web, global Analytics website, globalanalytics.biz. Sign up for a trial. Ask me to call you or call me directly, 866-471-2588. Be happy to talk to you. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Find it on the podcast later on this afternoon. Listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.